course, like every other teenage kid, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. When I was 16 years old, I took off and drove across the country to Wyoming, went into the Wind River Range and discovered mountains. In 1973, Yvonne Chouinard founded Patagonia. I never wanted to be a businessman. All I wanted to do was do my craft and climb mountains. So then I had to figure out a way to where I was going to be a businessman, but I was going to do it completely on my own terms. Build the best product, cause no unnecessary harm, inspire and implement solutions to the environmental crisis. Join us at Patagonia.com. Okay, we're rolling. This is Fitz. This is Jen. We've been working on a story at the Dirtbag Diaries. It's a little bit bizarre. And right from the start, we've kind of been, would you say, would you say a disagreement about it maybe, like whether or not it was worthy or not. From the moment we got the email, I got a tweet, you got an email about it. And uh, break it down. I mean, like what were the basic bullet points of the first email you got? The bullet points of the email I got were that this guy was walking across the country with a goat to raise money for an orphanage in Africa because God told him to. And I thought that was great. I, I mean, I looked at it and I was like, let's call this guy. And you were, didn't feel that way. No, I wanted nothing to do with it. I mean, first off, we got the email from a project manager, which usually just means that someone wants press. Um, they don't really know what we're about. They don't really have a story for us. They just want exposure. And second, it just seemed like a total gimmick. You know, it seemed like it was designed by someone who wanted to put pictures of a goat on social media. And I didn't even want to call the guy back. But you did. Yeah, you told me to call the guy back. Thank you. Um, was I right? You were right. Uh, can you hear me okay? I can hear you just fine. Can you, do you need anything from me? This is Steve Westcott. People always want to kind of put this call of God on my project. And there was. There was a definite moment when I felt like the Lord was really sending me out to the wilderness, so to speak. Um, but really more than that, even, I kind of took on this project really to run for myself, you know, really to get away from the many, 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 many mistakes I, and many, many problems I had created for myself. It did not take that long for me to realize that I was wrong about Steve. Eventually, once the project started and I was out there, you know, in the desert with a goat, <laughs> you know, I realized it wasn't about running from myself. I ran right into myself and I was alone and I didn't have TV to comfort me or an iPod or my cell phone. I had nothing to self-medicate. And everything came crashing down. So today we present a story that's a little different from our normal fare. This is the story about the life of a Christian rock star, a journey across America, the voice of God, the true meaning of adventure, and a goat. How does it all connect? Find out. Our producer, Jen Alchel, brings you one of the more peculiar stories we've ever told. I should have mentioned that there are some very adult topics that follow, so if you're listening to this with your kids, just do yourself a favor and hit pause and listen later. It will spare you some very, very awkward conversations. 
I'm Fitzcahal, and you're listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. So, this band. God reigns. This is the new divide. Hallelujah. I was playing in a band full time, uh, touring about 300 shows a year. You know, we, we toured Europe and, and uh, we were touring U- United States all the time, crisscrossing the United States. And we were, we were the kind of band that was like, we had to keep touring because no one would ever ask us back. I think people get the impression when you're able to tour and and uh, you're on the road so long that, oh, you guys must be a good band. I feel like for us, it was quite the opposite. We were not a good band and we had to just keep, <laughs> um, keep finding new places that will let us play. <laughs> so what were you like back then? I was kind of a douchebag. <laughs> I mean, I I was a Christian, but I was like the kind of Christian that everybody hates. I would even say it like this. Publicly, my life was like a success, but privately, my life was a complete failure, you know? And and my problem wasn't drugs or alcohol. My, my problem was girls. The comparison to drugs and alcohol actually is not that much of a stretch for Steve. The relationship he had with sex and women played out more than anything like alcohol abuse. Before he left, he had even joined a group called SLAA, Sex and Love Aholics Anonymous. So I, I, I was in this pattern of like, I would be good for a little bit and then I would binge again. I would just start dating like 10 girls and, and hooking up all the time. And, and I cheated on just about every single girlfriend I had. I was a part of abortions. I lied and I was deceptive and I was, I was a horrible man. The cycle continued over a number of turbulent months and years. Steve would binge, then quietly break it off with all of the women he had gotten involved with. Really, a lot of factors came together at the same time to kick Steve off on the project. He confessed his addiction to his mom who outed him both to the women in his life and to the pastors of his church, which made him realize more clearly than ever that he needed help. He temporarily quit the band and tried Bible college with the hope that that might change him. When that didn't work, he had a crisis of faith, then decided that he needed to do something more important with his life than entertain people. And one day, without really knowing what he was saying, with no idea what he was getting into, he blurted it out. So it was December 10th, 2010. We just got done playing like literally, I think it was like 300 shows that year. We had two weeks off for Christmas and I was walking up the steps of my apartment. I looked at the drummer and I said, hey, when this band's over, I'm going to walk across America. And I just knew. I just knew. And uh, within three months, I was kicked out of the band. The next day, I went to REI to, to try on backpacks. And uh, I was there with my music manager, Sarah, and I'm, I'm like standing in the mirror and I'm like, this is red. Does it go well with my skin tone? Like, does it make me look fat? Like, I didn't know how to even look up backpacks. Like, what, what do you look for? You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they had a sheet 
by the cash register that had things to get while you're camping. And that's literally what I went off of. I didn't know that you don't need like 90% of that until later. Uh, I take it you hadn't done much camping before. Never, never, never. I, 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 I'm a city kid. I'd never even hung out with a goat. Yeah. So why the goat? Yeah, why the goat? Um, so I, I heard once on the internet that goats are pack animals. And my thought was, you know, since I don't know what I'm doing, I'm going to take a lot of extra stuff. And so instead of carrying it all by myself, we'll split the weight or I'll carry most of it. He'll carry some of it. And that way, you know, we'll have all the stuff. I mean, I took a chair. Um, here's what I'll say. I'm going to I'm going to kind of make a point here. I think it's very critical in life to have yes people. Because I looked at my friend and I said, do you think I should take a goat? I mean, do you think it'd be a bad idea? And she says, I think it's a horrible idea, but you should do it. I did some research on goats that day, and I was like, man, I don't think I could do it. So I, I got a dog originally. I got this dog to take with me. Literally a month before I was going to go, the dog got injured and couldn't go with me on the walk. So I literally went back to Craigslist and saw an ad for the New Moon Goat Rescue. And I ended up picking up Leroy Brown. And I remember loading him in the back of a Subaru. And I, I w it was like, have you ever had buyer's remorse? <laughs> Well, this this was a severe case. Like, whose dumb idea was this? You know, like... I mean, did it start out at all, or did the idea come partly from wanting to have a conversation starter, something that attracted attention, or stood out? You know, I, I think everybody, everybody probably really thinks that, but absolutely not at all. My first thought was, like, no one would talk to me. Like, if you see a guy walking downtown Seattle with a goat, you cross the street and call animal control because he's off his meds, he's escaped, he's taking people's goats, you know what I'm saying? No one's going to think like that's a normal person, you know? So Steve had his goat, his backpack, his camp chair, and a vague plan. All he needed was a mission. I didn't want to waste my time walking across America unless there was like a, a definite reason. And, and the reason could not be just like a spiritual journey. I just felt like that was just kind of foolish or stupid. Call it chance or call it divine plan. But Steve's best friend had just opened an orphanage in Nairobi, Kenya. The two of them teamed up. Steve would use his walk as a way to raise money to purchase a permanent location for the orphanage and to start a farm on site so they could become self-sufficient. And on May 2nd, 2011, Steve and the goat, Leroy Brown, started walking out of Seattle. The first thousand miles of this project was 
hell. If it wasn't for other people, I would be dead. Steve made a number of discoveries in the first thousand miles of his walk. Like, maybe you don't need a folding camp chair on a backpacking trip. And he found out that he had been completely backwards about the goat. Not only did people not avoid him, Leroy worked like a magnet. He is the only reason people know who I am. He, he is the only reason people care about my project. Uh, he doesn't talk, but he has started more conversations than anybody I know. He also discovered that not only did the goat not carry more of the weight, Leroy actually carried less of the weight and still did not walk very fast. He was there to pack stuff with me. He was there to carry stuff. If you want your goat to go far and fast, don't put a lot of weight on him. So who do you think's carrying most of the weight in this project? It'd be me. I'm his pack animal. That's what's happening now. I became the goat's pack animal. And that's, that's a sad state of affairs. All told, since they left Seattle, Steve and Leroy have been walking across America for four and a half years. They have to stop and wait out the winters when it snows enough that the goat runs out of things to eat. Leroy often gets in altercations with dogs, and one dog in particular injured him badly enough that they had to lay over in St. Louis for 10 months to wait for him to recover. But what's actually slowed Steve and Leroy down more than anything is people. I try and get as many miles as I can, but, you know, everybody wants to talk. Everybody wants a picture with the you and the goat. So, so this is what kind of has turned it into. They want you to have dinner, so you're done walking by like five or six. You're at their house. You have a big dinner. You talk to them like midnight about different stories of the project. You get up late. They want to cook you breakfast. You have a big breakfast. Then you start walking at noon, and you got to be done by five. And when you're walking with a goat, it's one mile an hour, so you're only getting five miles a day in. You know what I'm saying? Walking across America, I'm getting fatter because people feed me so much. I'm not getting fitter. I'm getting fatter. <laughs> You know, it's just logistically, I, I threw out a plan and, you know, I, I just, I can't even tell you, like, it, it is the biggest shock. I get to experience the kindness of America like no one else does. And I think it's because not that I'm just doing something epic and big, you know, like walking across America is, and there's tons of people that do that a year. But I will take my time and I will sit on the side of the road uh, and talk to somebody for 15, 20, an hour if they want to talk. And people are what matter. And when you invest into people and you, you know, we go to food banks, we go to homeless shelters, we do all that. People see that effort that you put forward and they just want to help. When I talked to Steve in September, he and Leroy had made it to Dayton, Ohio, just under 700 miles from Times Square if he stops in Washington, D.C. like he wants to. It would take a month or two for a dedicated thru-hiker. For Steve and his goat, it's a real push. I had this vision when I started walking of me and a goat and a Starbucks cup of coffee at like 11 o'clock at night, Christmas Eve, snow falling, as I walked into Times Square. Like that was like this 
kind of dream moment that I had. And um, I think if I push hard enough, if, if, we, if we can stay on the road long enough and, and, and fight the winner, I think we can make that this year. I, I'm, I sure the heck am going to try because I definitely don't want to go into five years with a goat. You know what I'm saying? The longer I talked to Steve, the more clear it became that the goat and even the walk across America, the facts of the journey, they didn't really matter. And they didn't matter because at the heart of it, this is a story about how no matter how bold or bizarre of a plan you construct, the harder you try to run away from yourself, the harder you inevitably smack right into yourself. Because the more thoroughly you shed all of the circumstances of your life, the more definitively you step outside of the world you've created for yourself, the more clearly you're left with only one constant. Yourself. So we talked about what was going on in your life before you left and the ways you felt like you were running away from yourself. And we talked about you coming to some level of clarity about that on the road. Do you ever find yourself or have you ever found yourself tempted while you've been on the road to to kind of fall back into those old patterns? Um I I I have a project manager. We have we have certain rules, you know, don't stay alone with girls. You know, don't, you know, host homes, people, um, you know, no single females, you know, uh, and just, just to protect the project and my integrity. Um, <sighs> I truly believe that the, the Lord has protected me from being that guy, um, but I have to be diligent and ever watchful. It, I'm, I'm, it's not something that you beat, you know. I have a lot of people that care about me, and I'll call them the sheepdog. They, they herd me around America. They make sure everything is, the train is on the track, you know. Do you ever worry about what that looks like when you finish walking and you don't have a project manager and a lot of eyes on you anymore? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I think that I'm a different person now, you know, and I'm, I, I've changed in a lot of ways and, and there's been a lot of healing in my life through this project and I'm, I'm happy. Like I, I, I could get hit by a car tomorrow and I, I'm totally satisfied with life. Like I feel like you know, I know the kids are being fed, you know, I know the kids are getting an education and I know if I get hit by a car, <laughs> money will fly into the organization. Every bad situation that's ever happened to this project has brought money to the kids. And I think that for every adventurer, there is a sense of who am I when there's nothing left? What is at the core of me when I'm not you know, living that comfortable lifestyle, what is at the core of me? 
what drives me. And I think oftentimes, you know, we can't find the deepest parts of ourselves till we're alone. You know, we have no comforts. And, um, and I, I found that to be true for me. I, people ask me what's been the hardest part. And I, I think I tell them all the time, the hardest part of this whole project has been surviving myself and having to, I don't know, <laughs> face me. And so for me, it just feels like, I guess I would say at peace, I guess, but I don't even want to say that because that's not, I feel like that's stupid. <laughs> you know, it just it sounds so cheesy. Um, I'm just, I don't hate myself anymore, if that that's what makes sense. I just, I feel like I'm an okay person. I, I don't know. I, not that I like myself, but I just don't hate myself. Does that make sense? That's it. <laughs> Hope we reach our destination soon No matter what this journey costs She stares out the window at the moon And I drive on like I'm not lost Thank you so much, Steve, for sharing your story with so much humor and honesty. Just after we talked to Steve, Leroy came down with a severe illness, and on October 6th, Leroy passed away. Steve has since found a new companion, an alpine goat named Miles. He opted to take a trip to Africa to visit the orphanage this fall and will resume his journey next spring. He really wants to make it to Times Square next year. To find out more about Steve and his project, visit needletosquare.com. That's needle, like Space Needle. The number two, square, like timesquare.com. Music today from Noni Zero and our friends Amy Stolzenbach and Jason Tyler Burton. The first track comes courtesy of Mevio's Music Alley. You can find links to the artists on our website, dirtbackdiaries.com. Support for the diaries comes from you. Help keep the diaries going through our 10th year. We're about to enter it. Visit our website, click the pledge button in the upper right-hand corner to pledge your support. Thank you to everybody who has donated already. You truly do keep us going. The diaries is made possible by the good people at Patagonia. It's a radical thought, but change can come from a needle and a thread. Visit patagonia.com slash repair guides to check out their tutorials on how to patch your nanopuff jacket, depill your worn wear sweater, or replace a broken zipper. If it's broke, fix it. Additional support comes from New Belgium Brewing. Pick up a six pack of their Ben & Jerry's Salted Caramel Brownie Brown Ale, and the two companies, both Ben & Jerry's and New Belgium, will help POW protect our winners the incredible organization of skiers and snowboarders committed to fighting climate change. And from Kuat Racks, the little company that believed they could build a better bike rack. Check out their lineup at kuatracks.com. This episode of the Dirtbag Diaries was produced by Jen Alchel and me, Fitzcahal. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Sure, I should be praying for. Cause either end will do just as well.